0: Welcome everybody. This is the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are happy to be here, and we're happy to have you with us. We've got some cold beers. We hope you do too. We've got a lot to cover this week. I'm Tim Dennis. Brian Hewitt. How's it going? I'm doing great. We've got
1: all kinds of things we're going to talk about. We've got a collaboration beer with uh, Run the Jewels on Monday Night. We've got some uh, Voodoo Ranger stories. Uh, they're they're featured heavily. We uh, we've got a draft problem in craft beer, and uh, we've got some interesting beer politics in africa news so uh i don't know how we're going to get it all in and still have time for mo mike nate but we're going to try
2: mo mike how are you doing i'm doing well in addition to that we're
0: also going to be talking about some brewery acquisitions inflation hitting Oktoberfest, and much more it's going to be crazy this week y'all just so much going on now we want to say if you saw some of our social media tweets we did have a guest lined up for this week unfortunately that did not work out we had to uh change things up there so you get us you get the beer guys all alone we've had guests we did this for a while some solo shows where we covered a lot of news sharks sure. seem to enjoy hearing what's going on in the beer world and uh but it's nice to have some guests on here too. see what, what is on, on. nota yeah. brewing just yeah. here just here that was a fun one so always a good time but brian I, you know i'm looking at our notes here and i don't even want to talk about this but you put it on the <laughs> note side and you had mentioned it in our discord chat so i know it's It's dear to your heart here, but, uh, go ahead, Brian, what in the world are you going to tell us about? You
1: must be talking about the peanut butter and pickle sandwich thing. Uh, it's something I saw on social media. I have, I have never, I've never tried this before. I've never even thought of this before, but I follow a few accounts that do like retro 1970s cookbooks and like party dishes. And they've got the weirdest stuff in there. Like, uh, you know, that that's the era where you would you would take meat and shape it into things, then cook it, and you'd have the most, the grotesque the most Beautiful. grotesque things coming out of it. But apparently, this is I think it's a TikTok thing that's hot. So okay. I guess it's just peanut butter and bread and butter pickles, and supposedly it's a it's good. Uh it's on my list of things to do. I don't think I I think I have the peanut butter, but I am missing the bread and butter pickles
0: to do this uh now, what do you, you guys don't think like you don't like bread and butter pickles do you No, i'm not really a bread and butter pickle guy, okay man. see i like bread and butter pickles and when you posted it, i did assume we we're talking dill pickles here so yeah. you know coming from you i figured it was dill pickles i okay i eat peanut and peanut butter and other things like thai dishes like you'll have a pad thai that's got a peanut sauce and then you squirt your lime and stuff on it there so it's it's not that far-fetched of an idea it just sounds pretty weird um would I try it? Sure. Am I going to get the ingredients and make one? Not likely. <laughs> not likely. So if I was out somewhere and it's like the only food we have right now is peanut butter and breadical sandwiches and I was really hungry, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But what I will not try, Brian, which is another topic we discussed this week, is Pittsburgh style pizza. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. I forgot to put that yeah, in the notes. So, cool. anybody listen, let us know. Have you had Pittsburgh style pizza? And it sounds like even in Pittsburgh, this is controversial with some Pittsburghonians. Oh, geez, geez. What do they call Pittsburgh folk? Pittsburghers. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh-er? If you're a Pittsburgher and you <laughs> have had Pittsburgh style pizza, let us know what you think because a couple articles I found said that it's that even people in Pittsburgh were like, I hadn't heard of this style, but I forget the name of the place, Brian. You posted. I guess there's a couple of places that do it, but they bake the pizza with cheese and everything. Then when it comes out, they'll put shredded cold provolone and maybe toss some more pepperonis on there and serve it like that with with unmelted pizza. And that's just it's blasphemous, is what it is. Abomination. Right. What do you yeah. would you try it, Nate? Like, are you running to Pittsburgh tomorrow to get some?
2: I mean, if somebody puts a slice in my hand, I'll take a bite. But I'm not going to go buy a whole pie of it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
0: That's fair.
1: I don't know Pittsburgh at all, so I'm completely relying. I was relying on people's comments to see how how right it was. And I did Google one. There's a place called Betos Pizza, B E T O S. Okay. Uh, and uh, apparently, yeah, they do. And they, uh, from the sound of it, it's they make it the entire pizza with all of the stuff on it, including the the pepperoni. And then they just put a ton of provolone, shredded provolone over the top of it's cold. And so you get basically an entire pizza plus a
0: topping of cold cheese on it.
1: I'm
0: not, I'm not feeling it, man. I'm just not, you know, if I was around that, I'd try it. And most things I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. I would give it a shot. I mean, like even your crazy peanut butter and pickle sandwich. I'm like, okay, that could be good. I'll try it. I just don't see where I'd like cold cheese on top of my hot pizza. I just, I don't. That well, would like be a great Martin House beer. Martin House? The, 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 which one? The pickle sandwich or the Pittsburgh pizza? Well, probably both. I'm thinking hot pizza,
1: cold cheese. as <laughs> the uh, name of a uh, beer. You know uh, what? I'll done. bet that name is not uh, taken. So
0: if you're so done, and run it's, out. it's me and Nate the rest uh, of the show. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll keep quiet. So, so. Yeah. What were you well, saying, Nate? Uh, It doesn't
2: matter anymore. I was just going to give more attention to a mistake of a thing, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, see, he's like, look, I don't even want to talk about this. Well, let's move on to some beer talk. Uh, interesting one this week, Brian. Uh, Cranberry Tank Seven. Yes, if yes. you're a saison fan, Tank Seven is. Am I pushing it to say it's the best American-made saison? Saison. There may no. be some some outliers. It's the best Ameri- mass distributed American-made saison. I think that's a. I think that is a fair statement. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I
1: think that's fair. And it it's this kind of a distinctly American take yeah. on it, as it does have a good deal of hop presence but uh still very distinctly a saison it. I would I don't think it's the best one that's made. I think I think there's other ones I've liked more than that, but that is very high in my top 10, uh, top 3 maybe it's top 5. It's quite
0: drinkable. It's oh, very yeah, yeah. Like if you if you don't like the further ends of the saison spectrum tank seven is probably the one that you should go for and it still pleases the saison nerds as well i sure yeah. so but nate do you remember what is three taverns cranberry beer that they do you're usually pretty good about remembering those um, or ryan do you remember is that is this, um, or, no, no, no it's I not think That's it's a so nate give it's us a google real cranberry. quick while you're see if you can find that out but uh we've had a cranberry beer that uh, three taverns puts out. It should probably see it here again soon. I think they get yep. it out a little before Thanksgiving and that's really nice. And if I can find some cranberry tank seven, I can guarantee it's going to be on my Thanksgiving tape because it'll go well. with enchantress. 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 There you yeah. go. So cranberry spiced enchantress is the one from three taverns. That's really nice. So, uh, Brian, what do you think of a cranberry tank seven? I like the idea, I think. I think tentatively, because I've had a...
1: Uh, last year, I picked up a cranberry gin and made uh, uh, gin and tonics with it, and I really, really, really like that. And I'm thinking, I like that. The chances are really good that I would like this, and I'm on board with it. In fact, I'd like to replace all the pumpkin beers with people putting cranberries in interesting cranberry? Beers. Okay. Yeah, Just all let's right. just expand cranberries' t- territory. It can be up to Christmas or even New Year's, but all the way back into like the very first days of fall, and we just we'll just get rid of pumpkin. You know, you, pumpkin. You show up, you show up at Thanksgiving for pie, and that's it. That's it's your entire job. That's all you can handle.
0: That's all you get. So that's, that's my the thought. Then get out of here. Then yeah. get on out. Of, get out of here. Get out of here, pumpkin. Nobody has you. Has anybody done a cranberry lambic? I feel like there has to be one around somewhere. I, I feel like that would have happened. At some I, I want to say that Trifontin did something. Like yeah, maybe. Yeah. And doesn't Lindman's do oh, cranberry? Probably, probably, yeah. Could be. Could be. So that, are there any other that you can think of other than cranberry, any strange, like, fruit or, or other combinations that have just worked for you in beers?
1: Uh, oh, you know, I was just did a quick Google, and apparently Sam Adams did a cranberry lambic, too. Okay. If you can believe uh, that. Oh, okay. Kind of surprises
0: me. All right. All right. Yeah.
1: And the cherry lambic, too. I wonder how old those are other interesting things that i'm trying to think of uh something that in beer that didn't sound like it was going to work and it totally did you know what the seven what deadly stout.
0: okay yeah with you know all what? the stuff
1: in yeah. it in the especially the mm-hmm. apple brandy barrel that went into it and you're like this is going to be disaster you know for just i mean all the individual components those would be great in a beer but together this is going to be going to be a mess it's going to be horrible
0: not gonna work out, and it was beautiful. So and that's that Monday night. Another one from Monday night, I forget the name of it. Um the white chocolate IPA that they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Loving cup? Loving cup, yeah, that, loving cups. And that was one that I went into. The seven deadly stouts and the loving cup. I tried them because it was from Monday night. And I'm like, okay. If they're putting them out, they're probably good. These guys aren't going to release something if it's not. So it was totally the trust in the brewery. If almost anyone else had released that, I, I would not have been on board with that. So let's see, Stephen P. Cheers to Kettle Rock Brewing. Stephen, always good to see you here. Has uh, let us know in the chat, Stephen. Has, has has Kettle Rock done anything insane? Any insane flavors in their beer? Um, Any cranberry? Uh, Another one from Three taverns, I think about Lord Grey. That's one that I thought, oh, was yeah, unusual you know Earl Grey tea in a kettle sour, so, so they had Lord, Lord Grey and Fog, Lord Fogg, yeah. Lord Fogg adds lactose, so you've got your yep. Earl Grey tea and lactose in a kettle sour, and both are quite tasty, actually.
1: So, I think three taverns. <laughs> And
0: it's it makes sense that they'd be uh, have a home
1: in the in the Atlanta dairies because they use lactose more than probably yeah. anybody else in town. Yeah, and other other people have a bigger reputation, but man, they're throwing lactose at everything.
0: <laughs> well, that's and pontoon it's growing. People started, would we're calling them like lactoon, and lactoon. I think Sean from Pontoon looked it up. He's like, look, guys, <laughs> I'm just saying, Three Tavern has a whole lot more lactose beers than we do, so I'm not. Yeah, they're lactose sours. Are, uh, it's, uh, if I could drink
1: them, and when I when I have, I've really enjoyed them. Uh, yeah, from from three taverns. Ooh, what's the uh, the one again that was so so good in like the orange, yellowy orange can? Is that Rapturous or Creamweaver? So porous, Saparis, yeah, that
0: one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's Acris, only... Rapturous, Enchantress, Lord Fog, Lord Gray. They've got a pretty nice little series there that they do. So. Some good stuff. Well, Brian, moving right along, some big news. Tilray is just gobbling up breweries out there, and uh, the latest one they brought—they bought a lot of craft brands from AB, and it sounds like that sale is now complete. Right? Yeah, that's yep. right. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's
1: completely done, and uh, they're now like the fifth largest craft, quote unquote, uh, brewery in the U.S. I think there's Tilray still considered craft. I'm not. I'm not okay. sure what the the breakup happens right. but uh and i guess they have about five percent of the u.s craft market but uh I, I i went looking for it i wanted to get a screenshot of it but apparently uh 10 barrel was very 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 happy about it promoting that stuff all over uh social media like it's like now 100% a hundred percent less anheuser-busch or something yeah it was like yeah. a banner on one of their facilities i'm like wow these guys really are happy
0: about this situation so yeah i I tell you, man, I, I guess you do what you got to do. Uh, but I remember them doing a lot of defense of AB when, uh, what is her, um, what's her name? Meg something. I think that owns 10 barrel, but you know, a lot of these breweries, when they sell to big beer, they defend big beer. They come back from the sale. They, they talk, just do your thing. But, you know, I guess marketing hype is part of marketing. You know, you got to do your thing there, but, uh, gets a little ridiculous. But, uh, you know, things moving, man, uh, AB unloaded a lot of those breweries that they bought and Tilray is more than happy to, to buy them up. Tilray was just doing like weed like two years ago and now they're one of the largest craft brewers. So congrats to them, I guess. Yeah. They really are
1: into it. I think they're, they're, yeah, they're a hundred percent in. They're like, we're going to do this. We're going to run with it.
0: Yeah. It looks positive, uh, initially I we will see what happens though, you know? I mean, they've got to be a huge company because it was Afria when they bought Sweetwater. And Sweetwater wasn't a small brewery. You know, I don't know what the deal was there, but that couldn't have been an inexpensive deal. And then, you know, with that, they got the brewery out in Colorado that they've opened up there now. So they've got the huge facility. I mean, they take up like a city block here in Atlanta, you know, just a a massive campus there. Um, They opened the Woodlands a few years ago that was going to focus on stuff like, you know, wild L's are not necessarily wild, but like mixed culture and all that. And I, I don't think it, it quite got the hype that they wanted it to, it still exists, but I don't think they push it quite like they did a few years ago. And then, uh, Tilray bought that, bought Afria and whatever other, other companies happen to fall under that umbrella and they just kept gobbling them up there. So. I think that all the
1: brands they bought from Anheuser-Busch, and I don't have the story, the original story in front of me, but I, I don't remember the exact total, but the the total of all of eight of the properties, I think like seven or six of them were actually breweries, uh, the beer breweries. It was like a cidery and there was something else. Right, right. Uh, they were less expensive than buying Sweetwater or Afria or whatever. I think it was. Oh, wow. I think it was just a Sweetwater price because I think you also have Green Flash and Alpine in there. And I... I don't know if they were, they were counting that in when they were do, doing the calculation, but I, honestly, uh, Tilray did a great job of buying cheap, you know, buying at the bottom of the market. And now, presumably, you know you never know where things are going at.
0: he could get... Yeah, worse, let's see what they do with it. Let's yeah. see what they do with it before we say too much about it, but... It's a good point, yeah. You know, I guess for us, Brian, being where one of the breweries is located, since they're all part of the same company, that means Sweetwater's Taproom is going to have... We're going to be able to taste the rainbow down there, so... You know, I hope we've, so. we've already went down there and got some of the Alpine and green flash beers. Mm-hmm. So, and I heard, I forget what the other one was that's on, but someone else commented another one of the brands that they acquired before this AB deal was on tap there at Sweetwater. So yeah, they, I, I mean, I've been going to Sweetwater for going on 20 years now, maybe a little bit yeah. longer than 20 years and have really seen them grow. I mean, I guess it is two decades. So, you know, a lot happens there, but, I remember when they were just, I, I never went to them when they were their original location along, you know, Sweetwater Creek and that, the the small location. But when I first started going to where they are right now, it was just the one building and a small tap room, you know, that was just kind of sectioned off from the, from the brew house. So they've kept on going. I remember that, that smaller tap room. I I was never, I was there much later. I don't,
1: I don't think I, I want to say I didn't actually go to their tap room until like late 2000s like the like seven eight nine in that in that era of time before i actually went over there so it's not been quite as long and they definitely had the the tap room before the one they have now so it wasn't i don't think it was as small as it started off as being but it was still very much a a sectioned off of the uh of of the brewery and you'd you'd walk right you do the tour you walk right in and they'd have the the dank tank 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 with the uh, the big guy that painted yeah. out of it that was always a a fun part of the trip, I, I, yeah that was fun good time
0: that was that's their one off series their yeah. uh, you know special releases there and such so it was always a good time there man a lot of our old old friends there have moved on though a lot of the people we used to connect with you know as they keep growing it's uh so that's a little unfortunate Nick Knock is still there Nick Knock yeah. is still a good dude so you know it'll be all right but Brian October so beer keeps getting more expensive, and Oktoberfest is no exception, right? That's that is correct. So we, we didn't have
1: this information when we were doing our last Oktoberfest show or or our blind tasting, but the last we knew that the steins were about thirteen dollars and fifty cents a piece, so a liter of beer thirteen fifty. This year it's just under fifteen dollars, fourteen sixty seven. I think was the official average price that some economists ca- arrived at after studying the event. And uh, apparently, the the Oktoberfest beer prices have been growing at an average rate of 3.9%, even though the typical annual inflation, I believe, in Germany has been 1.8%. So here's the thing. Inflation in uh, 2022 was 7.9%. So there is a a justification for it jumping so much. But yeah, it jumped a lot. So it's, uh, man, you could get a... One liter is about the price of some of the less less expensive hazy, for uh, you know, sixteen ounce four. four packs. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or a macro twelve pack. You, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. They Crazy even mentioned man. they even mentioned like you could go a block or two away off of the the Vizen and get a beer for just a small fraction of of the price of what you're paying there. I probably get it in a a liter for, I don't know what they I don't know if they said officially like half off or whatever half the price, but it's there's just but a less
0: it uh, Yeah, whatever you look for. For sure, it, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We all want to tell you about our beers of the week, and we want to thank our friends at the Nest for sponsoring this segment. Right now they've got Nest going on because this is America. This isn't Germany. So we will keep up with the Oktoberfest celebrations, maybe into Christmas, you know. Sure. If Why not? if things come earlier for seasonal creep, then the things we like, we can just keep them going, right? So we can can take it the other way as well. But anyhow, the Nest is ready for you. They've got you. They're going to have some great beers on tap there. Barbecue, tacos, nachos, everything you need. We love the wings. you've heard us talk about them a lot. So go over, check out the Nest in Kennesaw, Georgia. Enjoy Nestoberfest and tell them the beer guy sent you. So for our beers this week, Brian did a little pre-gaming with a little Sierra Nevada Summerfest because he lives his life the way he wants to. He doesn't care what the season is uh, from halfway court crooks. Brian's got a little fest Mars. Is that the whole cone beer, Brian, that they keep uh, bragging about? No, oh, I've Marzen? seen, okay. that's a different one. It, it has actual Hopkins on it. No,
1: this is, this is just a, it says fest Mars, but it's categorized and untapped as is just fest beer. So I'm a little, Unsure about the, what the final style there, of it? I, I don't know. It's beer in a can is what I know. I haven't opened it. So we'll fair enough.
0: Out. Fair <laughs> enough. All righty. Uh, we've also got a Ba Bob Brewhouse Ba Light, which is a dry hop lager with no rice. Just FYI there. So uh, we've got from Abomination Brewing Company. Love those guys. We're friends on Facebook and chat back and forth. Love their labels. But we got a little drippy popsicle there, which is a fruited smoothie sour, the bomb pop sour that was so hot. This summer, uh, off color brewing, we've got a stoutling, which is a light stout and one that all of us are drinking. And we're actually going to talk about right now. We've got a collaboration brew from Monday Night Brewing and Run the Jewels, which is RTJX, which is a southern IPA and it is infused with bo- botanically derived terpene. So we wanted to talk about this one. Pretty cool thing. We love hip hop, we love collaborations. Uh, we know Killer Mike of Run the Jewels. You know, I think if Killer Mike saw us out, we'd get a nod. If we were close enough, he'd be like, what's up? And that, I don't think he would necessarily remember my name or that, but he'd probably be like, those are the guys from Beer Guys Radio. So, you know, the few times we've seen him out at events, he's been extremely nice, extremely personable. He's very involved in the Atlanta community and in politics in general. And he's very much about uh, supporting his community and lifting them up. He has used his fame and his fortune to uh, bring awareness to issues in the community and uh, to really support the neighborhood that he's from. So this beer celebrates Run the Jewels' 10th anniversary. If you don't know Run the Jewels, it's a hip-hop duo made up of Killer Mike, who is an Atlanta-based uh, hip-hop artist, and LP, that's el who is a Brooklyn-based hip-hop artist and producer, Uh, and, of course, they're going on their 10 years now. Uh, They are doing not only collaboration beers, but they're doing a run of concerts in four different cities. I think they're in the middle, or maybe they've just wrapped up as we record this, their Atlanta run. Uh, Four shows, four nights featuring one of their albums each night, and the beer is available at the venue. That's at the Eastern here in Atlanta that they're doing those. I saw some people talking about going to some of the shows, and they said, it's great. I keep saying I want to go, but I got to admit, I hate crowds and, and <laughs> loudness now. So it's like, you know, I need to get to know Mike better. So maybe they can just do a concert just for me sometime. <laughs> like, you know, just sit down somewhere and put on a it's show. It's like hip hop show. Right. Yeah. Just, just for me there. You know, let's do this. But uh, yeah. So the beer is the proceeds from the beer are going to support Paul Kids in Atlanta, which is a faith-aligned community hub serving Atlanta's west side neighborhood, which is kid, where Killer Mike is from. So both Peter Kylie, who is the brewmaster of Monday Night Brewing, and uh, Killer Mike are on the board of, of Paul Kids, uh, both in that neighborhood. So between the Eastern, which is the venue of their concerts, Monday Night Brewing, Yakima Chief Hops, and NZ Hops, They have committed that the minimum donation is going to be $15,000. So, you know, a very, it's a good donation, you know. It's a a good chunk of money there that they're committing. You know, if the proceeds don't get there, they're going to make sure that they get at least $15,000. So, this beer, the one collaboration with Monday Night Brewing, is part of their Run the Brews series. And they have done additional collaborations with Goose Island in Chicago, with Interboro in New York City. I know they've done at least one other collab with Interboro. Maybe they've done more, but they, they did the, another one with them for, uh, for this Run the Brews collaboration. And one in Los Angeles with Horace A. Gels and Highland Park Brewing. So uh, that one out there. And they're doing shows in each of these cities. So if you are not in Georgia and you can't grab this one or you don't have a friend that can get it for you, if you're close to Chicago, New York City, or Los Angeles, they're going to have some collabs out there that you can get your hands on and you can go see their show to check out their 10th anniversary it'll be a good time so guys we're all drinking this beer right now Nate we're going to start with you man what are your thoughts on RTJX oh you know what let me give I'm sorry I jumped ahead a little bit I wanted to tell about what's in this beer Nate my apologies (laughs) man so (laughs) this is brewed with um let me find my I lost my place in the notes that's why I jumped over but this is brewed uh, it's a southern beer, and they said to make this a southern beer. These are notes from Peter Kylie. He said they use corn grits and wheat from Georgia's Day Spring Farms, and they use Southern Hemisphere. So playing with the southern thing a little bit. Southern Hemisphere hops donated by Yakima Chief Hops and NZ Hops. The hops include Motueka, Nelson Solvent Cryo, Nectaron, and Citra Cryo hops. So there we go. Nate, sorry for cutting you off. And also those botanically der- derived terpenes there. But Nate, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, we, uh, we've we been sipping on this throughout the show. It's pretty
2: soft, pretty smooth. I get the terpenes on the nose. I don't really get too much of the dankness on the palate. Um, but, yeah, this is a really well-executed collaboration beer. I'm a jealous that we're not going to be able to try the other collabs that they did. That's what I was but... thinking. Yeah,
0: I'd like to as well.
2: I think we've seen the, the inter, I've, I've had some of the Interborough ones
1: and I don't remember how I, I came about getting those. I'm not sure if they made it here somehow
0: or, or not, but I have definitely seen those around. So maybe we will get some. So I do have some contacts in Chicago that maybe I could tell them I'd hook them up with the Atlanta collab if they hooked me up with the, uh, with the goose island collab. So I'll go to work on that. And see what I can do. Okay. That'd be, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah. Brian, how
1: about your thoughts? So I immediately keyed in on, like, a pineapple that's in there. I like that, and I get the uh, kind of a a dank, and after tasting it for a while, weedy, uh, like weed, uh, flavor with, like, the oils from uh, the citrus skin. Like, they, they just stick, sticky, stay with you a bit. Uh, it's bright. I think I might get some kind of, like, a corn sweetness in there, too, and uh, there is a little bit of a creaminess to it that that lingers but uh uh for me that that pineapple and that dank citrus oil kind of hit and just that's what the beer seems to be mostly about and i like it and it, it's not it's not really intense it's actually surprisingly laid back you know bright and laid back overall so very uh, really enjoyable i wasn't sure what to expect with this to be honest and i'm i'm quite happy
0: with it what do you think tim So you mentioned laid back and saw as I'm drinking this, I'll say this and I don't, I don't say this is a knock on the beer, Uh, an observation and maybe an unexpected, uh, unexpected part of it. This is milder than I thought, like all the flavors in here are pretty, pretty soft overall. It's not, you know, the hops are not bold. There's it's not jumping out at you. This is very drinkable. And I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing, in my opinion, for this beer. The hot, the flavors in it are great. I get a good punch of citrus, lemony citrus in this one. I get the pineapple when I look for it, Brian. It's behind the citrus for me. So the lemon really jumps out there. Uh, Nate, like you said, I get the terpenes, that dankness on the nose more than on the palate. But I do get some on the palate. So even being softer, there is... A little bit of heft in the mouth feel to it. It's it pours a little thick when you're pouring. It. You can see it has a little viscosity to it, so it's not a super thin beer. Um, I probably would like this one a little colder than I served it. I think it, it maybe I, I maybe didn't chill it quite enough. Uh, but and I, I should back all that up by saying the flavors in this are really good. Uh, excellent head retention. I noticed on this, like I couldn't fill my glass up for a while because it, you know, just had such great head retention in it definitely get the wheat notes in there. You know, that softness that adds to the body overall, this is a great beer with a little bit of unexpected characteristics when I drank. So that's my two cents, Brian, on the RTGAX, RTJX. Soft, soft is a, a good descriptor of it. I think that everything
1: does seem very softened, very, uh, yeah, it's like the uh, the Vaseline lens of, of flavor profiles or something like that. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, so it's uh, but a good beer. I, I should say that. And uh, I imagine if you were hopping around at the Eastern as they were, you know what? If you were in a hot concert venue bouncing around and you had a can of this to crush, this would be this would be perfect for that for sure and
1: i agree with you on it being better cold and i'm my place is so hot right now that yeah. my beer is actually more than room temperature and i'm like yeah this was better i mean it's good now it was a lot more fun to drink when it was cold <laughs>
0: brian just because of and eggs, slamming him and eggs in these beer glass there so yeah for those of you on the live stream here i'm trying to get the, there we go sometimes the camera won't focus but uh there's a little can view right there for you of this rtjx there's the other side there so uh good beer though so yeah congrats nice. good luck to paul kids that's some good money for a good cause there absolutely Yeah. brian you seem invested in this one because some of this news includes talk of your of your your tall boy cans you know, that on your long beer friday so uh has to do with draft beer want well, to tell us about it
1: yeah i've got i've got a couple of stories that there is kind of a tie in there but uh the the big one and this one's gotten a fair amount of attention is that craft beer has a draft problem and uh it's basically draft beer isn't selling well and uh so brewbound had a podcast where they had a number of different people on there talking about this situation and sam calajone said uh it's this isn't a lingering problem from the pandemic it's a generational problem simply put that uh Gen Z is just not drinking draft beer like the generations before it did, which I think is believable, though I'm not 100 percent sure I agree with this as being the sole source of the problem. I think that the pandemic, you know, permanently changed our drinking behaviors were simply put, you know, Gen Z may not be, you know, as into craft beer as you know, the millennials and Generation X, and everybody before them. But here's the thing: I think the rest of us aren't going to bars and, and drinking draft beer the way we used to. We're not sitting at the bar anymore. Uh, we're we're favoring getting beers and going home or doing something else. Uh, and I think that's that's a fundamental change. And I think that's a result of the pandemic. Uh, but you know, Sam Calajon knows a lot, so I I, I I second guess him at my own peril, I suppose. Right? Um, yeah. So sales of draft beer have stalled, and they're at the same levels they were in in 2021. And it's it, they're estimated to basically be behind uh, the historic trends by about two million barrels. And uh, interestingly enough, in this in this podcast, they were talking with the uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings uh, director of beverages, and they're they're talking about changing up a percentage of their taps over to pre made cocktails and wine and even nitro coffee. And that's a big deal because. They are one of the largest sellers in the U.S. of draft beer. So if they make this change, we're talking about a lot of beer that doesn't get sold, potentially. But uh, another thing that I found really interesting, and it was brought up, another possible reason and kind of unexpected to me, why people might be getting away from draft is because the the rise of the 19.2 ounce stovepipe can. And... Uh, that director from Buffalo Wild Wings said, and this is a quote: "The 19.2 ounce format is just blowing trends out of the water. That's where the consumer is going. So I had no idea that my Long Beer Friday uh, beverages were were killing off draft beer. I'm I'm contributing to the problem because I do enjoy those cans.
0: Look what you've done, Brian. Look what you've done. I I know. You I know. I, I feel yeah. terrible too. So what I have, I, have another, I have another thought on this, Brian. Another thing." Not just Gen Z, but I think it probably hits the younger generations a little bit more, but uh, you're out of college, you're starting your career, and everywhere we see student loan debt, housing costs, salaries are not starting where they... Mo- Some of the factor could just be disposable income. You know, if these folks want to pay off their student loans, if they want to get a house, if they want to get married and have kids one day... Then paying ten dollars for a pint of beer at the bar may not be high on their list. It's not high on my list, Brian. I would, I would prefer to, you know, grab some beers and drink them at home. You know, go get a six pack or go do a mix six somewhere. Uh, I still enjoy visiting breweries, and even though I say it's not my preferred, we do it every single weekend. We're gonna we're gonna hit a brewery or you know a nice beer bar or something like that, or at least a restaurant that has some good beer. Uh, But that could be another factor. You know, you look at Gen Z may not be drinking as much because maybe that's, you know, not somewhere to put their money. I'm probably putting less money in it. So, you know, that's my job. Part of my income is commission based and my industry was extremely in the day job, is extremely busy last year. So I do recruiting for telecommunications in the day job. And last year was the big, 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 big push. For the 5g build out so last year was a really good year for me you know i have uh, i took a pretty good hit this year just because it's not as busy as it was last year so the commission is not going to be where it was and so i got my purse strings a little bit tighter you know i'm uh, i'm not a gen z or just getting their career started but uh you know i had a lot more money to throw around to be stupid with last year than than i do this year I think uh, another contributing
2: factor might be that as, you know, everything is getting expensive, but also when you go out to the bar, there's oftentimes there's an additional gratuity fee or the tip line is starting at 18% instead of where it started at 15%. And, you know, it may not be the 19 too, but when you go out to the store, that shelf price, you know, you're going to get a little bit of tax on onto it, but that's it. And you're going to go home and you're going to enjoy it in the comfort of your home. Um, and I know that some people do enjoy the bar life and the nightlife, but the rest of us who, you know, are looking at our budget and being like, well, you know, I can drink at home a little bit cheaper. Sure. Yeah. That's a
1: good point about the tip. I had forgotten about that. I, I, I realized that, uh, that is, that is a increasingly everywhere and it's the, the percentage is going up, which not to get on a weird soapbox, but. I really wish people would realize that you don't dial up the percent as the price include it increases the percent makes the tip larger. You don't have to raise the percent. Now, of course, that's like double down doubling down on it. You do wind up with more money, but you also wind up with situations where you get less people there because they realize that tip is going to be expensive and they feel bad if they don't leave it, but they may not they may not be able to afford it either. So they stay home or they, they t- buy that rack at the store, you know?
0: the tip not going up, the tip percentage not going up is definitely not a conversation slash argument you want to have with. (laughs) I can tell you that everyone in the food service industry disagrees with you. So of course I'm of the same mindset, Brian, you know, if you're back in my day, Brian, which was like 40 years ago. Now the tip was 15%. That was, that was a standard good tip, you know? And, uh, I've always played the game of doing the mental math of what about 15% is and then rounding that up to whatever the nearest dollar is. I have, you know, because of standards, I don't want to be seen as a cheapskate. I play around 20%. You know, I figure that's safe. I do, I do the mental math around 20% and I just round up to whatever the closest, you know, dollar is. I, I
1: also remember, I remember the tip, the, the three tip percentages being 10, 15, and 20. And ten was when you were mad, 15 was average, and 20 was when you were really happy. And that was the general, the general thing. I started going 20% when I I got my first decent job out of college where I had money. And I'm like, I want people to be happy to see me. I'm like, always 20%. And I, I felt like a high roller back then. Now I'm just barely satisfying the expectations. Yeah, I'm you're like, just right there if you're around it right again. The price of food is up, so that means the actual dollar amount of the tip is also up because it's a percentage. But yeah, I get it. It uh, I don't know why that doesn't. I don't know why that's not something that people grasp. But I also get that if you raise the price, the percentage you also that also adds more to your tip. So I
0: like yes, they want more. But uh, yeah, anyway, we could. I feel that yeah that's a that's a different topic but yeah there's uh yeah our friends in the food service we appreciate you we appreciate your service so but we we may not agree 100% on the uh you know the 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 the, uh, accounting principles of tipping here and if Uh, we when
1: we get treated really well we make a point of treating the people the service really well we do sometimes that means we get comp so our tip is no longer really like Tied to any kind of real concept no, or real percentage, yeah. It's,
0: it's it's something else. It's yeah. like whose line is it anyway? The points are made up. We just exactly, throw it out. Exactly there. right. But, yeah, but that's yeah. exactly right. Oh, so yeah. right. So, but Brian, you got more to say on this topic? Well, you, not not to this, but I have the other store
1: that kind of ties into it a little go bit. It's it. about
0: Voodoo Ranger,
1: and uh, they're just killing it in grocery and convenience stores. They're so big right now, Voodoo Ranger. Not only is it the number 1 best-selling IPA in the US in grocery and convenience stores, it's also number 2. So it won and 2 both. Uh the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA takes the top spot. It accounts for 6% of all craft beer sales. Voodoo Ranger Juice Force Hazy Imperial IPA takes uh second place and I don't have an actual percentage for that one, uh, you know, for all sales. So not only that, but according to sales data, the entire collection is as a whole is outperforming all the other beer collections and styles of it of its kind everywhere. So over the 12 weeks ending September 10th, Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA was up 13.6% in sales. Voodoo Ranger Hazy Imperial IPA is up a monstrous 55.2% in sales. Imperial IPA is even closing in on Blue Moon in convenience stores, which is down 2.1% year over year. And uh, this kind of all t- ties into the story about the, the draft beer problem that we talked about. Voodoo Ranger is absolutely the king of 19.2-ounce stovepipe convenience store beer can options. If you go and you're looking for the tall boys of beer, Voodoo Ranger will have at least two, usually like four or five options available. And they move. They really move. And uh, so, but why? Why is the, 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 the question I've had is why is this so popular? And in an article uh, that I read this week, they expl- uh, somebody from New Belgium finally explained it they chalk it up to good marketing decisions. The brand focuses on having fun, socializing with friends, and appealing to gamers instead of making a big deal about hot profiles so they don't get nerdy about things. It's definitely not taking itself seriously. It's very tongue-in-cheek. And uh, I didn't even realize there was a gamer tie-in, but I I guess I have seen that they've had like little uh, informal online games you could play with their their brand. So I'm like... They've nailed it. They've absolutely nailed what people are into. So the the people are, are looking for a good time. They want to grab grab a a tall boy from the uh, the convenience store and go home and game. And it really
0: fits that lifestyle perfectly. So I that's mean, six where percent. When you think of how many beers are out there, one beer having six percent of the market that's substantial. That's, that's substantial. And you know, I think. Uh, so I don't. I don't have cable. I'm a, a streamer, which you know was was a crazy concept a few years ago, but, you know, now I think a lot of people are, but I use a service called Pluto a lot to, to watch. And I'm almost positive. I've seen Voodoo Ranger commercials on there. I know I've seen, uh, Athletic Brewing they've run on there. And I think maybe I've seen both Athletic and Voodoo Ranger possibly on YouTube as well. So, you know, they're, they're getting the word out there. I don't know that I've ever had any of the Voodoo Ranger beers. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever tried them. So, I have, and I think that they're they're
1: fine they're they are fine they i think that they're not fussy, they taste good uh I think that the what we're we're drinking right now beats any of the ones I've ever had, but there's n- they're not bad, they're not bad they, they're they're fine for what they are, like a it's a good beer, it's just a good beer it's i p a ish generally speaking fruity juicy hazy um not yeah, not a like he said, not like distinct anything that like ooh this note with the hops and this note mm-hmm. with the hops. No, just generally positive and good all the way around. So, just one of those that hits the everyman palette, right? So exactly, exactly yeah. right. It's hard to dislike yeah. them, honestly. And uh, I was just remembering when we were talking about it. You remember when they
0: were we were talking about opening the water park in? Uh, yes, that was funny. Where that, was that, that in the wine one. country? <laughs> yeah yeah they had the whole they did the whole thing and like they fold a few people because i think they even built a website for it yes they? like they, they did a website together for it. they had people protesting it funny. which was so good that's and, awesome man that's great yeah
1: and i i love that and i'm i'm sure that that gave me a little bit of a positive opinion about it, about them but uh yeah long beer friday i'm I'm grabbing the 192. i try to rotate it around uh there's more there are more options now than there used to be, but uh there's still it's still a little on the slim right. side i think overall just because that's a that's a tough game to get into and voodoo Ranger owns it, and uh we've talked to other breweries where like they would like to get into it but uh yeah you you have to you have to be cut your your profits right to the bone to stay competitive in that because people are eyeballing that close that's the uh that's the I guess that's the budget. Kind of the budget beer, I guess, in a weird way, even though it's kind of maybe not the the format you would expect for like a budget beer,
0: so yeah, yeah. I tell you what I think I am different than most others who want like the nineteen point twos and such. If I had my way, I want a six I want all beer packaged in six ounce bottles or that's that's perfect for me, I can get a little bit now, I'll compromise because. That's just the way I am. I'll compromise and we can do eight ounce cans because that way, for those of you who want a whole pint, two cans, you got you a pint. You're good to go there. You're all set. For me, I want to have a few beers, but I don't want to commit to 16 ounces or 19.2 ounces of something. Then I can pop my eight ounce or have that move on to another eight ounce. Or, like I just drank a whole 16 ounces of one IPA. And for me, that's crazy talk. You yeah. know, I just, I just, <laughs> You're I don't done. And, you know, back when we had our studio, we frequently, each of us didn't drink a whole of one any beer. We'd open 10 different beers, but we'd each get, you know, a third or a quarter, depending on how many people were in the studio there. I think that's what conditioned me, guys. I think that was it. I like, I like trying different beers. Same reason I like, like going out to a restaurant, going to like a tapas place and getting small plates and sharing them around. I want to try a bunch of things. Appetizers, like if your whole menu was appetizers, I'd be like, this is great. This is great. So remember, remember, Brian, the time we went out for, I think it was your birthday, the the whole friend group went out to a tapas joint and everybody agreed to order everything. And one guy just ordered a salad, but he (laughs) ate everything else. So when the check came and we're like, well, we'll just split this 10 ways. And we're all like, okay. He's like, wait a minute. I just ordered a salad. We're like, Yeah. But you all ate, everything, and watch yo and the and- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: That was great.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's trying that life hack. It didn't work out too well.
0: For didn't. Him. That's a good try, though. Yeah. Good try.
2: Yeah. Talk about being conditioned. You know, in the studio, we always had four beers of the week. So tonight I've got four beers for my week, but
0: they're sixteen ounce cans. Yeah. Yeah, it'll do it, man. It'll get, I, we'll get out there.
1: Yeah, I find that I it, it's hard for me to get beyond maybe maybe two in a show just because we're not splitting it. So yeah, it's yeah. uh, it, th- there is something to be said for uh, getting everybody together and having some beers. You know, getting getting some variety and keeping things. Uh, oh, look
0: at that, Tim! Tim is getting heck? into a second beer. Was Tim, it never common for me in the show? Like I, I'm normally running my mouth so much that I don't get to drink a whole beer. But I've got one. It's not even in the feature list, so we're. Bro, I'm calling the Audible. I have a Three Floyd zombie dust here, guys. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, if this was five years ago, you guys all would be horribly jealous of me. Yes. Probably a little longer than five years, I bet, when they, yeah. were, when they were in their heyday. But this one was very highly sought after. People. This is one people would mule back mm-hmm. from the Chicago yeah. area when they could get it. But, uh, yeah, so I'm getting into a little zombie dust here. Tim never has a second cup of uh, beer a beer at home. I never
1: a <laughs> cup of beer. Really what is this? What is you it? You guys know what? that commercial that reference never have a second cup of coffee at home. Isn't that? <laughs> isn't that from the movie Airplane? Uh, yeah. No, that's a the the airplane thing was a spoof off of a I think it was like a Maxwell House commercial. Oh, yeah, Joe, okay. nev- See, Joe never. See, I never has a second cup of coffee at home. Well, like it's she's okay. fretting about how her coffee is bad and her husband doesn't ever have
0: more than one and he has a second one when he's i didn't so know that i think yeah. i just knew it from the. i do know the maxwell house commercials where it was like the brother comes home for christmas <laughs> and it's yep. just like, like him and his sister just creepily close to each it's other there's commercial. a spoof on that wow. one too that goes a little too far good stuff man good stuff but i'm gonna get into the zombie dust brian while you tell us what's happening with anchor brewing all righty so yeah
1: we have an update with, with anchor brewing and uh It officially now belongs in a museum. Uh, Cue Indiana Jones there. Uh, The Smithsonian's National Museum of Er American History has acquired objects and archival materials from the now-closed brewery. They will be added to the American Brewing History Initiative collection that was started back in 2016. And I think uh, the Brewers Association was involved in starting that up. Um, Among the things collected are brewing charts, photographs, blueprints, signage, tools old wooden barrels used to transport steam beer back in the 19th century, sample tiles from the uh, the floor of the brewery, uh, and other historical records, some of them about Fritz Maytag. The uh, materials will be made available for study and research and may be included in future exhibitions or even loads of other museums. I don't think they currently have a plan to have a dedicated uh, Anchor Brewing exhibition just yet, but uh, they're still compiling all the information. The article didn't uh, explicitly state it. Uh, This is from the Smithsonian's website, but uh, on social media, the uh, museum curator, uh, Teresa McCullough, said that the collection will include uh, beer recipes, which will be openly available to uh, brewers and researchers, which is a better outcome than it could have been. It sounds like everybody's going to have a a shot at at trying to keep these beers alive or making the best representation of them that they, they possibly can. Had it gone another way, maybe one brewery would own the entire intellectual property and we would be stuck with whatever they thought steam beer was to them or whatever else. So, yeah, so this is not ideal. I would like it to be a fully functional brewery, potentially run by the people that worked there before, but at least this is out there and it could be used Mm -hmm. to keep the keep the memory alive, I guess. So.
0: I think it's so I don't know all the implications of what this is going to mean with the being in the museum and it coming out there. But judging by some of the tweets and the commentary that was made, it's I looked up one thing I looked up is what happens to trademarks when a when a business dissolves and they they don't like automatically get canceled or anything. They they become assets of the company or assets, uh, you know, that whatever's left of the company there. And, um, that can be sold, transferred that. So if the assets of the company were transferred to this museum, then that gives them the trademarks and such. You know, they have the IP on that. If that is the case, if the way all that works out, then, you know, like you said, if they release this information fairly openly, then, you know, someone could do steam beer. Someone could do a beer and call it Anchor Steam Beer or, you know, inspired yeah. by, you know, Anchor Steam 2, Electric Boogaloo. They could call it if they wanted to. So, uh, but I think it's cool that they, I've got no love for Sapporo with the way this was handled. It seems like it was handled very, very poorly, but I think if the stuff's got to go somewhere rather than it going to somewhere where it could be closed off, or like you said, where they're using that, we have to deal with whatever their interpretation is. I think it's good. It's going to go somewhere where more people can get, you know, can get this information. Heck, I'll be interested just to pluck through it when it comes available just to just to read through it. I think it'll be pretty interesting. You know, nice history book there. I'm sure there'll be a
1: lot of interesting things that uh, there weren't public knowledge that will be found out about and and reported on just because, well, internal workings and whatnot. Um, I would be really interested in seeing once the recipes become available. And I think it's right up until the early part of this century, like it, it would include everything. I want to see some of the uh, old Christmas sales brought back from the dead—the the ones that were really popular. I'd like for people to reproduce those and say, "This is this is Anchor Christmas." I don't know, two thousand seventeen, or I don't yeah. I don't know what yeah. year it was good one, no. but one that people really liked. We reproduced
0: it as described, and let's see how it is now. I would definitely buy that. Absolutely, yeah. I would. You know what I do? I'm sure that I've got a few old Anchor Christmases banging around in the cellar somewhere. I would love for someone to brew it, to take my vintage bottle of whatever I've got and get a, a new release version. That would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping some good things come out of this. And uh, Brian, I'm sorry I got distracted a little bit, but did you make any commentary on, on or find out any information on, on what this means for the union and their attempt to purchase the brewery? No,
1: I, I've i not seen any kind of updates on that. I Okay. Presumably from... What I think I've seen, and I didn't write down. I think it's still possible this could happen. They could technically buy the the facility and continue brewing beer there. But now we're looking at the situation where, well, now all of your intellectual property is owned by a museum, who is going to make it available to everybody. So
0: I don't know what that means. I, that was my thinking. It just, I mean, the fact that all the assets have gone to a museum sure don't sound like a great thing for someone looking to buy the brewer. So yeah, I know,
1: I don't think no. it's a good sign. I, I really I think it's a, a
0: really a long shot that anything happens with it at all at this point in time. Let me continue speculating because I enjoy doing these kind of things. All right, let's silver line this cloud. These assets go to the museum who makes them publicly available. That means it has just lowered the value of buying the brewery. And so probably we're talking about just the physical assets unless they've started being liquidated. So technically speaking, in a perfectly wonderful world, the brewery is now cheaper. The physical assets is now cheaper for them to buy because there's no IP involved with it. And they would still be able to use that IP to carry on the brewery because it's been going to become publicly available. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, there is... I don't there want
1: to is talk a fault fair- out of my hee-haw over here but i will say that there that is a, i believe it's an expensive piece of property there so buying it Good point. in there. Yeah. so the property will be expensive that may be the most expensive part just because it's in San Francisco and i think that's expensive land all of the brewing equipment uh, i don't know i mean like that still has some inherent value i think it's all older so maybe not a ton of value so y- you might be right
2: it may be less expensive we'll see. now We'll see. Uh, oh, a quick, uh, a quick union update. Uh, they managed to re- double their GoFundMe goal of fifty thousand dollars by raising just over one hundred and five thousand dollars, and they're using that for lawyer fees and uh, a- and legal fees to um, assist in their bid for the brewery and its assets. Um, they are still uh, actively working on expanding their solidarity ale collaborations, uh, looking at. Here on their go, GoFundMe page, they have three confirmed collaborations on the book, books for October and November. Um, so they're still very active. Uh, I, I just don't know why uh, I had to go to the GoFundMe page to see the update. All right, but we'll see. They're definitely still trying. Keep going. Keep on Keep yeah. on. Gosh, I, I, it, it would be great bad. if they pull it off.
1: I'm I'm still 100% behind it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I would still buy their beer over somebody else's, you know, Rep, replica of it basically interpretation yeah. of it because yeah,
0: gotcha. that would be the legit one yep yeah, yep yeah. brian why don't you share your salty story because i really want to close things out with our uh africa story
1: okay okay so yeah this is kind of a fun one it was announced this week that uh morton salt is is getting into a zany beer collaboration just when you thought you've heard of every kind of collaboration uh situation possible you've got uh morton salt a salt Company collaborating with Chicago's Alter Brewing on a beer they're calling Pure Joy. It's a quote hazy goza IPA, hazy goza IPA. So let that okay, one in. okay. Uh, it's named after the the Pure Joy is named after Morton Salt's founder, Joy Morton. Yeah, this release coincides with their 175th anniversary, and uh, the brewery says, you know, like, what is this going to taste like? Yeah, everybody has to wonder. Like, uh, hazy goza IPA. The brewery says you you can expect a juicy flavor profile, a sweet citrusy aroma, and a quote noticeable punch of salt when you try the beer. So, uh I got a question for Nate. I immediately thought of this and thought I've seen cocktail videos where people add saline to cocktails, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently that helps with the uh, the flavors. It could be citrus or whatever. I, I don't know what yeah. exactly it brings out. Like, is that something you think would work here? You've got a juicy. IPA with the fruity notes would adding a punch of salt help this out
2: or I really think it would I'm really curious to try this beer because I add saline to a lot of cocktails and it really helps I mean uh, making a drink free saline and then adding the saline to it you can taste more emphasis on certain flavors when the salt gets added to it so yeah I'm really curious about this beer
0: So that's from a a culinary perspective. I mean, salt is used in in things that you don't necessarily want to taste salty just because it, it can help concentrate and amplify the flavors. So, you know, if you've got a little bit of salt in there, I know with, um, brewing coffee, you can put a pinch of salt in your coffee grounds and and you can lower the bitterness a little bit. So it's, uh, you know, you don't have to use so much salt that it becomes salty, but it could, it could go in there. But they do call this one a Goza, so I'm hoping that the salt is not, I, I'm curious to try an IPA Goza there, you know, Hoppy Goza, I guess. But they gave me a good chuckle when we were talking about this on Discord. He's like, I like their salt. I'd give it a try. I was like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm uh, a fan of their salt. I'm a fan of their salt. They do they, they do good work with salt, so I'd give it yeah. a shot. Brian, we've got a great story to kind of close things out here. But before we do that, we need to thank our sponsors of the show. Brian, I want to thank uh, Terrapin Brewery Atlanta at Truist Park. As you know, we're a big fan out there. They've got some great beers. Kind of the brew lab, the experimental lab for Terrapin Brewery out of Athens, Georgia. So a lot of one-off beers in the taproom there are things that may end up going up to larger distribution uh, at Terrapin, but they they do some great stuff. Some that they've done throughout this summer, we talked about the Kolsch, we went up there and talked to them uh, when they were brewing that, we got to try that one off the tank. We did uh, tried some experimental beers that they said they couldn't release the names of the yeast that they use, but we will say that they called 1M and 1C and it was the same beer brewed with two different yeast and it was interesting to see the differences in the beers with just the yeast change, but They've got barbecue there in the taproom from Fox Brothers Barbecue. They do a fantastic Frito Chili Pie. Their burger, quote, air quotes thrown around that, one best burger in the country. Now, it's not a burger, Brian. I felt a little bad with this getting best burger because I think it, it probably overshadowed some actual burgers, but it is a fantastic mess of chopped brisket on a burger bun with uh, the accoutrement, as they say, and it's fantastic. So and brian they're just really nice folks up there we love the whole crew there they always take care of us and we recommend you go check them out as braves run into the postseason here and start showing it up go out there check them out and when the baseball season's over you can still go to Truist park hit terrapin taproom atlanta for some barbecue and good beer and tell them the beer guys sent you
1: indeed indeed and you know tim as much as I, I, I've i been trying to resist it and uh, as much as my house doesn't feel like it right now, fall is, is officially it's here. here. It's here. Yeah, yeah, the weather, still warm, sun's still out, still bright outside, and uh, I'm not really ready to give up on drinking crisp lagers and bright, sunshiny IPAs in the shade for the most part. Uh, but I, I know other people are, are all in on fall, and uh, they can't wait for it to get cooler outside and drink those darker... Richer seasonal beers, and uh, so I mean, what do you do when you want to meet up with somebody who wants to drink the exact opposite kind of beer that you do? Well, I will tell you what you do: you swing by your local truck and tap, and uh, you have all these options. I was just taking a look at the the tap list for the Alpharetta location just today, and I saw several pilsners that would satisfy my needs as a drinker of the crispy boys for the the hot weather, but uh, you know, several seasonal selections for people who are ready for. Oh, they got uh, an Oktoberfest, they had some pastry stouts on there they even had a nitro pumpkin spice latte ale if that's your thing so of course they also have coffee uh, on tap there uh they got a line for it i think dedicated all the time they got wine they got spirits so you can mix things up if you'd like to and uh obviously you you got to remember the truck part of it too. they've got the rotating food trucks so there's always something different every time you show up so if you'd like to plan your next visit to Truck & Tap, just go to their website, truckandtap.com. You'll be able to see what's up at all four locations, Woodstock, Alfreda, Duluth, and Lawrenceville. That's truckandtap.com. And, of course, you can tell them the Beer Guys sent you. And look around. Uh, somewhere in, in the uh, the facility, will
0: there will be a little Beer Guys logo somewhere. At every location. That's yeah. right. Thank you for supporting us, Truck and & Tap, and Terrapin. We greatly appreciate it. Brian, I feel like we absolutely have to share the story. We just can't leave without doing it. Brewery in Africa, I won't steal your thunder. Who in the world owns this brewery? Yeah, so
1: I'm going to say it two ways. I'm not sure which is the right way. The Wagner Group or the Wagner Group? I've heard it both ways. The one you heard about in Russia, that Wagner Group, uh, they started a brewery in Africa. They started it back in uh, 2022. The actual country is the Central African Republic. And they, they did it in direct competition with a French-owned, French-owned brewery called Castel. And uh, th- that Castel makes the most popular beers in the country. Uh, they, they have gone out of their way to brand the beer that they're making as uh, Russian beer. So it's kind of weird, but it gets weirder. In March of this year, members of the Wagner Group chucked Molotov cocktails at the French brewery Castel in the uh, Central African Republic, like I said. And the, the arson attack destroyed a large portion of the brewery stock. It didn't actually do much damage to the brewery itself, but it kind of depleted what they had on hand to sell. Uh, all of this is happening while there's a civil war going on. It either is still going on or was going on at the time. And apparently Castel was involved with paying off rebel groups to protect their brewery. And the Wagner group was using that information on social media to kind of uh, slam them as being exploitative colonizers in support of terrorism so it's kind of a, a big Russian disinformation type of story that we've seen before where there's social media accounts and they're all they're blasting out the same kind of messages from all over the place. so in, in short there's a full-fledged multifaceted war for influence happening in Africa right now between France and Russia and the battleground is beer basically um, and they're saying that France is really just a kind of a proxy for all things Western they're just the most prominent Western country. There, so uh, yeah, I, and why? Why on earth would this be happening? Well, it's all about natural resources. So this is just bizarre. Uh, Russia wants their natural resources, and everybody else wants them too, probably. And they're they're smearing France and the West to make themselves look good to local decision makers. So the Wagner Group first came into the country just to train the military for the for the country, but they've since grown their operations into go into gold mining and diamond mining. And there's all kinds of crazy intrigue, and they're basically using beer to to try to win this war for resources. So at the heart of everything is beer, but it's not really. At the same time, it's not really the whole goal of the thing. So a very strange story about beer, and it's hard to get my head around. there's a lot of information out there, some YouTube
0: uh, videos on it. It's,
1: it's worth watching. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It
0: Man, this is, I mean, this isn't crazy obscure like the Wall Street Journal has covered it and such. You know, It's a big enough story that they've been on it. Brian, I think PMCs are the absolute craziest idea. I mean, how nuts is it that you're like, hey, you know what? We're going to build an army and you can just hire us if you have people you need us to kill. You know, you know, that's, we're, we're good with that. And, you know, I know they do other things as well. Like I've seen, um, ships that are in areas that are, that are prone to piracy. They'll hire PMCs to guard them, you know, from pirates Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, but man, just crazy getting in the beer business, all the propaganda to try and say the West is bad and we're great. Planes that just fall out of the sky. I heard dude actually fell off the balcony of the plane. Hey, yeah. I fell out a window of the plane That's before right. the plane crashed, because that seems to be the way Russia takes care of things there. If you're getting on a plane,
1: they've just added a balcony to it. Don't get on that. Don't plane. Go, don't don't go get on that, on that plane. Like,
0: <laughs> I see him walking up to the plane, talking to Putin. He's like, what is that? He's like, oh, his, his new balcony is beautiful. You, you, you'll you love oh, it. He's like, you know, good. He's like, no, no, no. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> we put
1: a next uh, tall railing yeah. on it.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. You'd you, you love it. you love it. Guys, that is all we have got for this week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Make sure to come back and hang out with us next week. Uh, For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, we would absolutely love your support on Patreon. We've got some cool perks there. You get in our Discord chat. You get some swag like T-shirts and hats and that. And we would definitely appreciate your support there. Just go to patreon.com slash Guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers.